This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. It's the Jaguars against the Colts. Even when the Colts were good, they still couldn't find a way to beat the Jaguars. I know Adam knows all about that over there as our resident <laughs> Colts fan. Poor buddy. And it doesn't get any better for you this week, too. We got the Jonathan Taylor drama and, like, who's going to be the running back? And Richardson's like, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do besides throw the ball to Michael Pittman. Ugh. This game right now is – I'm trying to pull – here we go. Jacksonville minus five which I think that's kind of low. And the over-unders at 45, which I also think is kind of high. I don't know how many points Vegas thinks the Colts are going to be able to put up. Uh, sorry, buddy. Maybe you. I'll let you I'll let you rebuttal if you have anything else you got to add in there to defend them. But uh, I, I want to cash this in and maybe even lock it in as far as Jacksonville at minus five and the under at 45. If I could actually get a sounder to jump off here. There we go. Adam, what, 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 what do you, you defend your team here? You agree? What's up? Uh, no, not really. I, I think both of those are pretty fair. <laughs> uh, I personally feel pretty comfortable with the Jacksonville minus five. Uh, I would probably lean the under 45, but I am less confident there. Um, okay. Okay. So let, let's lock in Jacksonville minus lock five. Lock them in. It's a lock. Moving up from a cash bet to a lock them in bet. I like that. Colts, by the way, 6-11 and 11 versus spread in the horrible season that was last year. Let's talk Trevor Lawrence. I got him at 8. ECR also has him at 8. Now, here's the thing about games that, and I personally think this could be a blowout. Chris, you can tell me maybe if I'm wrong or if I'm over-pushing the discrepancy level and the talent between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Colts to kick off the season. But here's the thing about blowouts. They could be big on fantasy points, or teams can get up two, three scores. They get real conservative and hand the ball off and just call it a day. It's why I can't push Trevor Lawrence higher than I have him at eight right now. What do you think? Does, does Lawrence be higher, lower, or is that about right? I, I think he's actually higher this week. I love Trevor Lawrence versus the Colts. There's a couple of good things going for him. Number one, we talked about Evan Ingram earlier. Uh, unless the Colts show me otherwise, they were atrocious versus tight end position. It was like whoever you had as a tight end last year, you won 20, the Colts. And quarterbacks, yeah, 20, 25th against quarterbacks last year. Yeah, just to help you um, out there. So you, you were definitely looking for guys to get involved. So when you look at the weapons the Jacksonville Jaguars have versus Colts defense, you have an Evan Ingram, a Christian Kirk, um, you know, Calvin Ridley now, Zay Jones. There's just too many guys who are explosive and make plays. I know Shaq Leonard's back for the Colts, but that's basically they have two guys, Buckner and Leonard. They have defenses, you know, getting rid of Gilmore is going to destroy them this year, I believe. I hate the secondary overall. This doesn't have a great pass rush for this team. So I think Jacksonville is going to put up the points, and I think Trevor Lawrence is going to throw the ball around a lot. Doug Peters isn't big on necessarily calling off the dogs, Dan. So I don't think he's going to be somebody who's going to necessarily be handing the ball the whole second half. I think he's going to continue to throw the ball with Trevor Lawrence. This is Adam right now. Me the eye, Ellie. There is no kickle. And there's no Santa Claus. And there's no Christmas. There's no God. There's no Easter Bunny. There's nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm sorry, Adam. I feel bad for you as a Colts fan. Here's going to be a rough year, buddy. <laughs> uh Let's talk about Anthony Richardson, though. I'll let Adam talk about Anthony Richardson. I got him ranked as 16th. Is that too low for a guy who's probably going to have to run his tail off in fantasy football? The reason I got him as 16th is because without Jonathan Taylor, 
And only that offense is going to be able to function the way Shane Steichen was hoping it was going to be able to function week one. And everybody and their mom might just be playing Richardson running around because other than Pittman, what else does he have to go to that's truly been tested and consistent? I don't know. Is that too low? I, I think a touch. I would keep him out of the 12 until we see him on the field, but uh, I, I would put him a little bit higher. I would chase the upside of him before I put in a Deshaun Watson, for, in, for instance, at 14 uh, from the previous segment. I think the rushing upside is higher. I think the you know the build of this offense, the Colts offense, will be uh, centered around Anthony Richardson. The Cleveland Browns offense is centered around Nick Chubb. Those are the, the people to me that uh, these offenses are built to, built for. Um, Sean Watson obviously being very expensive to be an auxiliary player, but that aside. Um, yeah, so for Richardson, I would probably put him, you know, 14-ish. Uh, I'm not super, super concerned with him, at least from a points perspective in fantasy. Uh, efficiency, I think, gets hurt by not having Taylor. Um, but, I mean, typically with these rushing quarterbacks – Yes, I think an elite running back would dramatically help the team, help him. But we haven't seen one of these rushing quarterbacks in quite a while have a running back like that. Normally, it's been them elevating crappy running backs. That's been the status quo for the rushing quarterback offenses. Adjust a guy running back with getting five yards per carry because of their quarterback's rushing threat. Um, yeah. So I'm not super concerned about that aspect of it but again i don't love to play rookies uh and he is uh, a little rawer than a typical rookie um so I, you know i'm not dying to start him before. we mentioned uh, <laughs> we mentioned jared goff earlier as an option where i think that pairing would have made a lot of sense and if that's the case then jared goff would be uh, a guy that i'm starting over richardson Okay, well, we agree with that. Then there, I got, I got to clip that. That's that's got to be a new step. Adam Rar, <laughs> I love it. Chase, uh, let's talk to you about the running back situation. By the way, it's maybe Zach Moss. Well, they, they're pushing him out the week two, week three. It sounds like so probably not week one. Deion Jackson, Nevin Hall. If let, let's say let's say it is Deion Jackson. Are you actually going to play and start Deion Jackson in week one when there's no buys? Guys are mostly relatively healthy. Are you going to take that shot there? Not in any way, shape, or form. Unless I'm down to three three digits on my uh, on my DFS budget. And yes, I still need an RB2. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm out on that. I don't want any part of that uh, backfield unless and until Jonathan Taylor time. Let's expand on that because we know Taylor's not going to be back for at least four weeks, if ever. And let's say for whatever reason, the Colts don't bring in somebody else. Let's say it is just Zach Moss. It's Deion Jackson. It's Evan Hall. Are you going to pick a horse in this race? I'm confident on Evan Hall between the three. Okay. I, I think Deion Jackson's value is in the receiving game. And we historically have not seen a bunch of value for qu quarterbacks running the ball, throwing two running backs, especially early on in their careers. Uh, to me, Evan Hull is the more balanced of, of the three, uh, at least until Moss gets back. And then Moss, again, is just a guy, I think the, the guy that was brought in um, more recently by this regime uh, is going to be the guy that they would favor when it, it, it gets dicey. Uh, there's nobody I would play between the three this week. I'm not you know going to get carried away. Um, but if I'm going to stash someone on my the bottom of my bench with my last pick of the draft or something like that, my my lowest roster spot, it's going to be whole for me. 
Okay. I mean, I, if I was going to pick one, it'd probably be that one. But I just think it's going to be nothing but a committee the entire season if it, it winds up being between these three. So I don't know how much value anybody's going to have until we see Taylor back there. Let's talk Travis Etienne. I got him ranked at 15. I have consistently been lower than the ECR, and that is no different now. The ECR has been running back 10. They brought in Tank Bigsby for a very specific role, regardless of how I feel about Tank Bigsby, which is not as big as everybody else. But I feel like they brought him in for a specific reason. I don't think Jamichael Hasty actually disappears. Remember, this is a guy who was getting about 7% of the team targets as in his own right. I, I just think there's enough taking away from Etienne to be annoying. Chris, what do you think? Am I, am I too low in Etienne? Should he be low in RB1, or are you having more in line at the RB2 spot that I got him at? I have more at the RB2 spot. I, you know, I do think Jacksonville is going to be able to beat this team pretty handily, but I do think, to your point, that's where we're going to see some of the other guys get rotated in. A Bigsby, you know, a guy that can kind of take the hits and, and keep Etienne fresh. I don't love necessarily the passing attack to Etienne. You know, we didn't get a lot of targets out of the backfield last year. Adding Calvin Ridley's offense, I think you're going to see this Jacksonville team try to do is kind of feature Calvin Ridley, look to get Christian Kirk, get Trevor Lawrence kind of going, and then figure out right from there at that point on. I think Travis Etienne will be kind of an afterthought in a sense in the offense versus the Colts, and then he'll be sprinkled in throughout. His big play, you know, big play opportunity could be something that maybe you don't love playing as RB two, but I think you feel safe as you put him at RB two this year this week. Okay, and and you laid it out a nice argument there that he's they all have a, a good pro run game script in this game. Most likely, if they play the way that we expected it to, his player prop fifty five point five rushing yards this week. He's been over that mark nine of his last fourteen games. Well, I think Bigsby's going to be annoying as far as touchdowns are concerned. You're talking about a Colts team that gave the fourteenth most rushing yards to the running back position last year, and a guy who should have game script throughout the entire four quarters. So I'm going with the over on Travis Etienne getting 55 and a half rushing yards. What do you say, Chris? That's tough for me. I, you know, one thing the Colts do have, like I said, they have Shaq Leonard back. So they didn't have him last year. And I understood that if he wasn't playing right now, I'd definitely be more confident in it. I just have a little concern that Travis Etienne is going to have a nice game. I think he's going to be a guy that he'll score a touchdown. I just worry about the, you know, the rushing yards being there for him this week. What's Bigsby's over under for rushing yards? Because that so they, don't big, they don't Bigsby's out yet. They don't have him yet? The one issue with doing this on a Sunday a week beforehand is not all the players have player props out yet. So that's why, we, normally speaking, guys, this is going to be a Wednesday night show. We'll have everything available and ready for not it. But yeah, we, we we don't know we don't know yet. Speaking of Bigsby, Chase, I'll go to you. Uh, I got him ranked at forty five. I don't really care about putting him in my redraft fantasy lineups this no. week, and you shouldn't. But what are you looking for for Bigsby to see if to tell you whether or not he's a handcuff or does he actually have flex appeal in his own right? What are you going to look for here? I'll be watching how they distribute any backfield targets that we do see. Like you said, we don't, we haven't seen a lot out of this team in the past, but uh, how they do distribute those, are they using, you know, are they willing to use Etienne all the time? And, and, and as more, as more of that bell cow, or are, are they wanting to split with him? Which I agree with you. They bring Bigsby in for a reason, but I do want to see what the split of that workload is. Um, I do think too, that if we do get, a rush it, run it out, grind it out late in the game situation. I think they put Bigsby in to see what they have in him. It's a perfect time to do it. And, and you just delay the wear and tear on Travis at the end. So I would be more willing to bet on over on Bigsby's rushing yardage than I would be for Etienne's rushing yardage. 
along that line, uh, Jason, that's a great point. Uh, if you're a, a, you have Bigsby on your lineups, you know, you're waiting, you're not playing him this week. Uh, agreed with all of that. Be uh, particular about seeing when he got his carries, because to that point, he could very well get 12 carries in the fourth quarter. He gets 15 carries in the game. So the next week you go to play him. Well, then they play a close game and he gets five carries. So make sure that you know what that distribution is when the game is close. Uh, if you're, you know, you have Bigsby on your rosters and that those are the carries that you want to keep an eye on for, to project future production. If right. the Jags are up 30. Then those was he carries, touching the ball before the game was out of hand? Right. Exactly. And how? Yeah. Right. That's what you want to know. If you, you have Bigsby on your rosters. You're both very correct. <clears throat> Excellent answers by both of you on that one. Uh, Adam, let's stick with you real quick. Michael Pittman, I got him ranked at wide receiver 34, ECR wide receiver 33. Basically, we're just saying he's unfortunately a wide receiver three and not a particularly high one. I expect him to maintain his 23% team target share, but it's kind of one of those like, uh, does it matter? Because his 6.6 .6 yards per target last year, I don't know if that necessarily improves with Anthony Richardson uh, in this offense. Is that too low for Pittman? Are you higher on him or is, are you also, you know, keeping your reservations in with him as a wide receiver three? I'm keeping my reservations, especially early in the year. This is an off offense that I think could go a lot of which ways. The one thing that gives me a little bit of confidence with him is I think he's going to be a pretty much the only receiving threat they're looking at in the red zone. Uh, I think, you know, Pierce they'll use deep. Uh, once Jelani gets back, then maybe he gets introduced to the red zone conversation. Yeah. Um, but until that happens, I, I think, you know, if for some reason you decide to pass, you're within 15, Pittman's going to be that that first target like 100% of the time. So uh, <laughs> that kind of, you know, brings you a little bit of something. But I wouldn't be, you know, putting him much above a wide receiver three. So I'm about in line with you. I mean, nothing can be worse than Sam Ellinger, right? I mean, not, not, nothing <laughs> can be worse than that. So let's hope we get things go a little bit better for Pittman. Uh, I'm saving the best for uh, me and Chris here because, you know, we've had this fight. We have to continue to keep having this fight between Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley. Otherwise, you know, psh, why would you tune in the NBC football show unless you saw me and Chris fight about these two guys? All right, Chris, you ready for this go time? I got Kirk at wide receiver 24. I got Ridley at wide receiver 27. I'm drastically higher on Kirk than the ECR. They got him at wide receiver 32. I'm lower, of course, than the ECR on Calvin Ridley. They got him at wide receiver 22. Go ahead and make your arguments first, because I know you have Ridley ahead of Kirk. Well, I definitely have Calvin Ridley ahead of Kirk. I think Calvin Ridley is going to be a stud this entire season. And while I have him, you know, one thing I like is that he has a better matchup. I know Young didn't have a great year last year, but he is a pretty good corner, a uh, slot corner, I should say, at that. There is no really outside corner for this Colts team. Calvin Ridley is going to be able to eat up whoever is facing him. I think Jacksonville is going to look to get him involved early and continue to and try to get him involved throughout the game. From everything I'm hearing out of camp, he's the guy that they look forward to kind of build their offense and then work away to other guys. He also plays the two receiver sets, so Christian Kirk does not. So I'm going Calvin Ridley by far over Christian Kirk this week. Okay. Yeah, I this offense, the number one target person in this offense is a slot receiver. The number one person playing that position is Christian Kirk. Is Christian Kirk. He led the NFL in slot receiver percentage last year. Not just the team, the entire NFL in qualified wide receivers. It makes a big difference there. Now, I, I, I agree with this point that if you want to get Calvin really feeling good about himself, this is a game in which it could happen because the Indianapolis Colts. There's no doubt about it there. But my whole argument about Ridley, about why people are too high on him, is because he's been out of the league for two years. 
wasn't even that good the last time we saw him in the first five games where he was supposed to be the alpha dog with no Julio Jones around, getting the volume and turning into absolutely nothing. 5.4 yards per target with a 59% catch rate. That's what he was as an alpha dog when he was actually practicing and playing without having two years off. I don't expect him to hit the gate out running. That's why I have him lower than Christian Kirk. We'll see who it winds up being. I, I should have dropped this earlier. But... Chris, we will come up with a bet later on in the week uh, w- w- before we get into this game. We have, to, we have to figure out something. So we'll get behind closed doors, and I'll put that out on social media. I do want to get to this question here. Jesus Christ of the league. DK Metcalf, James Conner, and Jonathan Taylor for CeeDee Lamb and Travis Etienne. Thoughts? Let me get Adam's thought here. Would you do this trade? Um, Is this like a, a dynasty or a redraft? Because I would definitely take that let's, if let's we're assume talking. it's redraft unless he comments back in here again. Right. Yeah, I would definitely. I think I like that second side. There's just so many ways that that first side can kind of fall apart for you. Um, you know, James Conner has had an injury history. James Conner is on an offense that is about to be brutally inefficient. He might be the only one getting any type of volume there. So that's going to be great. Um, but that is about all that you're really going to be working with. I wouldn't be that shocked if he gets double digit touchdowns. There's definitely some upside in James Conner. I'm not denying that. Um, but it will be a brutally inefficient, uh, season for him. Um, I, I just don't, it doesn't feel super safe. Jonathan Taylor could easily just not see him this season i don't think that's out of the realm of possibility um and then you're left with dk metcalf who i love but he's no cd lamb um so i'm on that the cd and etn side of things i I tend to agree with you there we got another question from isaac pekka uh 10 team ppr his quarterbacks are geno smith and anthony richardson his running backs are pollard gibbs kenneth walker the third jamal williams zach charbonnet his receivers are Diggs and ridley and michael williams drake london jack smith the jigba zay flowers and his tight ends tj hawkinson he follows that up he's, he's, he's i'm projected to be second to last in my league i've done so many underdog drafts and all these guys i draft were ridiculous values in espn i'm just going to trust my knowledge uh chase and chris i see chris not said chase get in here and then chris uh well i think he's too volatile at running back his running back room is uh is deep but narrow there's a there's a narrow window there for for top peak production year long in that and we got to remember that this this is not best ball. I mean, if you're doing underdog drafts and best ball drafts, it's not best ball. So you, that volatility can sometimes work against you in, in a season long format here um, is wide receivers. He's got a nice set of wide receivers, but again, um, you know, there's, I mean, there's a lot of upside to him, but I think that, you know, overall, I mean, Hawkinson's going to be good. He's going to be good. And he's going to get you great production from a tight end standpoint all season, but you, you're not particularly, solidly high at, at quarterback. you got a ton of potential there again. And your running back room is so narrow that you, you, you know, you, you might, it, depending on matchups, you might have trouble. I would maybe try to talk some, talk somebody into taking say like Jamal Williams and one of my Seattle running backs. I'm not waiting for one of those Seattle running backs to, to take charge there. I'm going to assume that they're splitting the work and try and see if I could maybe get somebody to take one of them and or both of them or one of them or and Jamal Williams and try and you know do a super upgrade somewhere and raise the overall ceiling of your of your team elsewhere. I'm gonna, 
it's definitely some interesting thoughts, but the fact that he's uh, what projected to be second to last, second to last, there's there's no way not with this team, no. right, Chris? Well, I think this is one of those situations where the the team has just a, a pretty large range of outcomes, and I I don't think that the the projection typically does super well with that when you draft kind of aggressively at upside. Uh, the projections will you know oh this super safe team is you know gonna go first. It might if all of my lottery picks don't work out, but if I hit two of these, then, you know. So I, I just think it's kind of a, a a drafting philosophy that the projections doesn't don't typically do very well with. Yeah, that's fair. Chris, you can get chime in real quick. Yeah, the projections are stupid, Adam. I think that you're trying to be nice way of saying it. The projections <laughs> have rarely ever been right, especially in the beginning of the season of what team's going to be good, not good. What you're seeing right now is like exactly what you're saying. This team – has built the win long-term. He's got guys who can kind of, you know, rotate in or become guys as the season progresses, but it might not still be people who they love right off the bat. So is that Charbon, for example, might not have a huge amount of value, but by week six, week seven, if Kenneth Walker's hurt, you have an Arsenal RB1 option right there. Or even, you know, we know that Chase talked about who, how they're splitting carries. You have two guys that you're kind of figuring out who you can play from week to week based on their usage. So for me, what I like about your team is you have a lot of guys who are very solid. You have a very good floor and you have upside throughout your lineup. So I think this is definitely not a second-worst team, and I wouldn't be surprised if you're playing definitely in the playoffs. If you ever keep asking your questions, get them live on the show, make sure you follow us and subscribe to our YouTube channel, the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and hit that bell notification so you get notified whenever we go live for you. Let's finish up this matchup. We still got to talk about Evan Ingram. I have him ranked at 11th. The ECR has him higher at 8th. And his player prop is actually at 46 and a half yards. I am going under because I think he's going to fall at the very least third in this food chain, maybe even fourth, depending upon how the matchup goes with, with him and Zay Jones and who's going to have more of a target share there. I think you're hoping for a touchdown out of a tight end who doesn't score touchdowns. His career high was six touchdowns in a row. Like last year was ridiculous. He was terrible. He was on the waiver wire at the beginning half of the season. I know they paid him. I don't care. Evan Ingram, he still is too talented to be outside my top 12. The matchup, technically speaking, is too good. But I look at him as a highly volatile player. And when you're highly volatile, I also usually take the under. Adam, where are you at on all that? I don't think I have a a, a super strong read there either way. Okay, well then I'm just going to go ahead and say that we're bashing the under on Evan Ingram. <laughs> Just do it that way. Let's go to our next matchup. How about that? Now, see, you know, you got me all